Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Site Podcast. I'm Reese Desmond, creator and owner of the site, and I am joined here today for the very first time with two very special individuals as we kick off a brand new show, Football Masterminds. So allow me to introduce, first and foremost, my co-host for the show, Kosti Kapoor. Kosti, how are you? Doing pretty well, thanks, Reese. Um, I'm very excited to be here. Uh, I think this venture that we're we're starting is is going to be super fun and cool. It gives uh, sort of a North American voice to all the football fans out there, um, and I think that's very special because there's a lack of representation of how much we actually like soccer slash football, whatever you call it, on this side of the park. So I'm pretty pumped to get this going. And of course, we could not call ourselves the football masterminds without this person on our side. Here is the mastermind site's greatest bandwagoner, Russell Toe. Hey, Reese. Yeah, I'm really happy if you didn't know Barcelona and Liverpool both won 2-0 in the weekend. And so I'm just really happy that both of my teams who have been uh, playing pretty poorly the past month have gone out to a good start, I guess, like at the start of March, end of February-ish. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I bet you're happy right now because of the, the two wins. And I also know that you are happy to be here. Costi obviously reached out to me a couple of weeks ago to do this. And he said, we cannot do this without Russell. And I said, of course we cannot. Russell has to be here. Hey, Costi, you came to me with this idea about a week ago, as I said. You wanted to talk about the race for the top four. It's very exciting at the moment, isn't it? It is. Um, it's crazy right now, right? I look at the table and, you know, you could really go down to 10th and Arsenal. That could be in the top four anytime till the end of the season. So, you know what? This is going to be a fun show. Yeah, I know both of you are big Liverpool fans, so I think it's only fitting that we start there. Russell, I know you already mentioned that you're happy with the result today. Do you think this is going to be a sign of better times to come for your team? Yeah, for sure. Um, especially because today Liverpool capitalized on the winning, and I think Chelsea, uh, Chelsea drew and West Ham dropped points as well, less to two. So I think uh, we definitely have a shot of making top four. And I think in terms of uh, past seasons as well, we've shown that we had a lot of grit and we um, we came clutch towards the end of the season as well. So we're only two points away from West Ham. West Ham has I'm looking at the tables, forty five points. Uh, they are fourth and we have 43 points, only two points away. And we have superior goal difference. So I'm absolutely confident that we can turn this thing around. I think we could also go far in the Champions League too. So I still think our season is very much alive. Yeah, Kosti, what was it about Liverpool's performance today that was so convincing? Um, um, so I, that's interesting. So I was having this conversation, I think with you two and, uh, I'm on a couple of Liverpool group chats and, uh, we all sort of watch the game together or most games together just on chat. And, um, to be honest on this side of the camp, uh, Russell's, Russell's is uh, sort of one of the few that think that, uh, today was a great performance. I thought again, today was telling of the fact that, um, it was sort of like the RB Leipzig performance where we won two nil, but um, if it could have been three nil to um, to RB Leipzig for for all we we know. To be honest, um, it was an okay performance. At the back, we looked super shaky. Uh, Adrian and goal was was okay. I thought he did his part really well. Usually, Adrian is prone to 
try and be Allison, which is clearly not. He can barely, he can, he can't do what Allison can do on his feet on a good day. I know that Ali has had uh, uh, some poor games in the recent past, but I mean, without him, we'd be nowhere. Um, also, just take a moment here to shout out um, Allison for the passing of his dad, which was very tragic. Um, he that's why he wasn't involved today, and I hope he's he's doing well and. Um, just so he knows that all of Liverpool and uh, our supporters are with him. But coming out of the game, um, I thought it was uh, at the back again, right? Adrian was on point with his couple of shots that he had to save. There was a close range save from, I think it was McBurney from a corner. That was that was a good save. Um, other than that, he passed where he needed to. He cleared where he needed to. The second point is super important because in the past, he's been seeing trying to do much with his feet which is good enough uh, if it if it passes but if it doesn't um you know with goalkeepers what they say right it's the um it's the worst because they their mistakes are late lead to goals more often than not which is sort of sad but uh, our line was all distorted which is i think the biggest sign to know whether liverpool are doing well because we tend to play a high line um but here our line was very very shaky again um but otherwise, I think the goals came at opportune times, which led us to a victory. But uh, the problems at the back don't seem to go away. That's my thoughts, at least for now. So I, I, I sort of fall in between you two. I think actually it was one of Liverpool's better performances in recent weeks, obviously because they've lost four in a row uh, beyond this, which was horrific. The front three looked very, very positive, especially in the first half. Aaron Ramsdale was very good. I think Curtis Jones had a really impressive game and kind of disagree about the back four. I mean, like they weren't really troubled all that much, so it's difficult to tell. I thought Alexander-Arnold probably had one of his best games of the season, both in terms of knowing when to get up and then when to come back. And in terms of his defensive performance, I thought it was really quite solid. I Obviously, I don't think Enda Stevens really troubled him too much, so that's maybe a, a sign of who he was up against as well. But I I wanted to ask you two that I think Liverpool should just stick with two center backs if they have them, Phillips and Kabak, and just go as many games in a row developing a partnership at the back because that's honestly been one of Liverpool's biggest struggles. When you have center backs that are just changing each and every game, it becomes very difficult to develop any sort of rhythm. And that's one of the things that the Reds have been so, so good on in the past few years of having that consistency between Van Dyke and Gomez. And when Gomez isn't fit, perhaps Matip comes in. Do you agree that Liverpool should stick to these two as their center backs until they get someone like Fabinho back in? Or maybe even if Fabinho comes back and he can just play in midfield. What do you think? Yeah, uh, it's honestly a tough question to ask answer because um you know we're such in like a delicate moment like i think we have like what 13 how many games left yeah like quite a number of games left to go i think it's like 12 games and i don't know whether we can afford to during this time especially when we're really facing um fighting for top four is to play two young center backs who are relatively inexperienced compared to fabino and henderson yes fabino and henderson are not natural set uh center backs but They've been experienced enough to play the game, so they actually understand how to read the game more. Um, so for me, honestly, I would shift back. I wouldn't play them as centre-backs. And also, I think, I do agree with Kossi. It's very hard to tell whether we are also getting back on track because, yes, we beat Leipzig uh, 2-0. We beat Sheffield United 2-0. 
but Sheffield United is at the bottom of the prem, right? So it's also really hard to say. And I think like Ozan Kabak, like I think he's been doing okay. He's been doing pretty well, but I think when it comes to the bigger games, I'm not so sure because I think that was like a moment in the game where um, he kind of scored like an own goal, but was given offside. So yeah, honestly, I think we should stick back to the Fabinho uh, Henderson if we can, uh, just because during this time, we don't want to risk it. See, I just think that playing Kabak and Phillips is actually much less of a risk than playing two center backs that aren't really center backs. I, I do believe Fabinho was your best player this season until he got injured. Wholeheartedly, I, I think he was excellent at center back, but I don't see any reason why they should stick with Henderson there. I believe if they're going to develop any sort of consistency, they shouldn't just keep on changing them back and forth. So this is two games in a row now. I think they should stick with it. I'm with you on this, Reese. Um Exactly with you on this. I think we need consistency for sure. Um, as a very high-pressing, high-intensity, sort of the gigging-pressing, high-line team, you can't have um, centre-backs switching back and forth again and again because these new guys, they don't know exactly how to play unless they've played maybe like five to ten games um know when to drop off on a player know when to hold the high line so that we can cast them offside that doesn't happen because we play really specifically um compared to most big teams uh, i know that city try and play a very high line as well so that's probably the most similar team you'll get in the pl um but i think so having said that though i believe there's there's deficiencies in both the Phillips and um, Kabak. Kabak is a ball-playing center back who is good with his range and passing. I believe he, he's he's decent. Even today, we saw a couple balls over the top to um, Trent and then Rabo, which which they were able to sort of make into chances. But when it comes to uh, being a great reader of the game, I know that's what he's known for. He in the PL, he seems a little slow still. So I I would I think. Um, I think he can do well with somebody like Fabinho along his side sort of coaching him. So I think I would stick with him and Fabinho maybe uh, and bring in Nat Phillips when there's a game like Sheffield United where you have two big center forwards in Ollie McBurney and uh, McGoldrick just towering over you and you need that sort of Nat Phillips old school sort of English league defender and his dad was also similar, you know, um, where he's just going head into everything he has no regard for any other players just looks at the ball and wants to head and be head every ball out and be really yeah physical. i think if liverpool are going to have any shot of making the top four here they're going to need someone to start to go on a bit of a bad run do we think potentially leicester are in for another one of those times like they have managed to slip out of the top four last season and allow manchester united to come back into it Lester is <laughs> uh, Lester is one of my you know you have that the one team in the league that you really love because you support that team uh, you have the one team that you really hate and then you have that sort of like like the mistress team you wouldn't admit it out loud that you love that team but uh, if they win and they're not sort of competing against you directly you want them to win <laughs> does that make yeah. sense so that's that's Lester for me same uh, and Right, last season they they lost out to the top four place on the last day, I believe, of the season when they lost, right? That's right. Um, do I think 
Do I think they're going through an interesting period? No, because it's only been one game where they lost against Arsenal that just came back from um, a, a great win in the Europa League, right? Um, it's sort of their night in Istanbul. I know that people are joking about that. That's the new internet meme about Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> um, so, but the problem is if you look forward, right? Let me, I'm going to pull up Leicester's schedule. Their next three games are against Burnley, Brighton, and Sheffield United. And I think if, even despite their injury struggles, I think if they win those three games, I think they are very well on track to pretty much guaranteed finish top four. I think Leicester is going to make the top four because they definitely can't afford to drop off the top four in the last few weeks of the season for a second time in a row. Um, and as you mentioned, they're playing three, you know, relatively like easier teams and not playing Man United, Man City stuff. They've also beaten Liverpool. So I think Leicester actually has a good shot. I think purely based on their record, the last few games, yes, they lost today um, to Arsenal, but that might just be a one-off. I think they have a very good shot of making top four. Yeah, they've had really unfortunate past couple of weeks. James Madison obviously got injured in the last game. James Justin got injured in training. He's going to be out for the rest of the season. They have Harvey Barnes potentially out now after today's game and Johnny Evans. So I do think it's going to be a difficult time. But the thing with Leicester is that any time they have injuries, they always manage to pull out something spectacular just because their squad is that good and that deep. But with so many players out this time, you do kind of just wonder if we're in for a repeat of what happened last season. So let's take a look at their list, right? We sort of fragmentedly pointed it out. So they have James Madison at CAM out. They have Wesley Fofana at center back out. They have Dennis Pratt, sort of center midfielder out. Iozzi Perez out uh, at center midfield, sort of LM position. Um, they have, uh, they ha in this game today with Arsenal, they had Harvey Barnes out uh, at LM. Uh, with a knee injury where he was stretchered off. And that's an important uh, sort of discussion point because being stretchered out of a game um, and having to have your knee being put in a brace, that's that's a bad sign. And they had Johnny Evans at center back out. So in all key areas from their sort of wingers to their center back, they have key men out, right? Um, so as, as much as I agree with Russell in the fact that and Reese in the fact that you and the fact that um, they should sort of pull it out of the bag and just make it a top four. What do you guys think is the is their top sort of replacements for less? So, so we have a CAM uh, left midfield and center back, all these three positions out. Yeah, it's definitely a tough one. I think I would hope that Chengiz Under would get more time because he's been very anonymous so far to a start in his Leicester career, and he's definitely a good player. The thing is with Leicester, when you have two of the best central midfielders in the world as your double midfield pivot, like you're kind of okay if the winners happen to be like Ricardo Pereira, who's not a winner, and say like Timothy Castagna has to play left wing to make up for something like, or Luke Thomas goes further forward there's a lot of tactical flexibility that brendan Rodgers can have in sort of adapting to the injuries but it is it is a big issue like we've talked about their injuries at the start of the season this is much worse right now yeah exactly this is this is really bad um i just think that it, vardy will have to carry again which is not something that he's sort of opposed to doing or 
not known for doing. He's he's mostly just known for carrying Leicester. He's been Leicester's top man for quite a number of seasons now. Um, I just think if if Under can perform regularly, he's he's a very good. He's sort of like Nicola Pepe in the very beginning of his Arsenal career, where looks really sharp, is really good with his uh, with the ball on his feet. It's pretty pacey, but it's that end sort of product where. Uh, in the last third, you have to make that decision. It's a little lacking, and that's probably because he hasn't played enough games uh, in the lineup. And I think if Iheanacho can score, he's I think he's he's got immense talent, but if he can just sort of find his shooting boots, and I know that's a very sort of Sky Sports thing to say, but you know if he can find his shooting boots at uh, it regularly, I think they I think they should be fine. I do believe that they can adapt playing three at the back I think is probably where they're going to have to go because they still have Amarty and they still have Christian Fuchs and you could easily play those two at the right and left center back positions and then push something like Ricardo Pereira and Timothy Castagna left and right wing back which isn't that bad at all so I, I think they'll be okay but I guess we should talk about Arsenal a bit and their performance because it was actually kind of positive for them for a change so Costi what did you make of Arsenal's performance today I liked Arsenal's performance I especially liked how mature Grant Chaka is in the midfield he's one of those players where he has a few sort of glaring moments where you're like dude what are you doing why did you do that but except for that he's he's he was their powerhouse today. If you, if you ask me, he's, he drove them from mid to back. He linked the play really well for people like Smithrow and uh, Odegaard when Smithrow got injured to you know, do their magic up front. And he was very smart in taking the fouls when necessary, getting into tackles when necessary. I think they, they, did, they had a very mature performance where you could sense that you know, the David Luiz partnership with uh, Pablo Mary was working really well. And uh, I just have to say that Nicolo Pepe, I think if that guy gets going, uh, it's bad news for everybody else in the Premier League. I mean, you could see today he was he was quick on the ball. He had his tricks um, where he would turn people very easily, nutmeg people. And you know that he's like growing in confidence. I think he's still got a little bit of work to do on his shooting. But I thought Arsenal overall had had a great performance. And the the only thing I, I, I got to ask you guys, um, why doesn't Lacazette... Um, start almost every game. I, I, I can't understand that. And I know, like Reese, you're a tac- tactics sort of guy who's done a lot of coaching as well, and we're sort of the the fan based opinions here. So, what do you, what do you think? What what are your thoughts on uh, the game, obviously, and and Lacazette especially? Well, it's it's very hard to fit both Lacazette and Aubameyang in every single game, especially when you have Smith Rowe and Saka doing so exceptionally well. So I think that's been one of the reasons why Lacazette's kind of been left by the wayside. I also think just since he came to the Premier League, he hasn't really ever been able to get like a consistent run of scoring going, where he undeniably is very good out of possession, does a lot of hard work, is actually very important to their buildup much more than Aubameyang, who will just get like nine touches a game. Lacazette's definitely not that type of player. Personally, for me, I would find a way to have Aubameyang and Lacazette play up front together. I think a 4-2-2-2 might be something that fits sort of the team style of play based on the opposition he's coming up against. Um, Because I think, for example, like Leicester, playing Lacazette actually makes a lot of sense. Just knowing that you're going to have a little bit more of the ball his role in the build-up actually being so important, especially 
if you're not going to play someone like Odegaard in attacking midfield, who wants to get on the ball as much as possible as well. Yeah, I I thought I thought Arsenal were good, but they're still a long way off. And I thought Leicester had one of their worst performances of the season, so it's kind of hard to judge. Yeah, that makes that that makes sense to me. Aubameyang on itself has had more assists and goals combined on the left wing than he has had as lone striker um, over his last, uh, I think, two or three seasons, whatever it is at Arsenal. So that's and that's sort of why I asked this question on on uh, having both uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang together. But I know I understand the fact that with Saka and even Emil Smith-Rowe doing so well, it's hard to get that balance. Yeah, and we talked about Leicester as a team that doesn't really have many players right now. Going in a different direction to another team, there's another team in the league right now that almost has like too many players, which is Chelsea. And they've kind of, they've been very good since Tuchel came in. They've played an interesting style of play, very tactically sound. 3-4-2-1 that adapts into like a 3-4-1-2. It's been, it's been very positive, but they can't seem to find the back of the net on a regular enough basis. And so why can't Chelsea score more goals? Uh, honestly, the first person that I'll think of is Timo Werner because they bought him specifically to score more goals, but he's not scoring a lot. And he has been, I think he went on like a 15-game goal drought. I think, you know, obviously, 1,000 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, and honestly, I think, you know, with any team, when you set out yourself to buy a superstar striker like Timo Werner, who has scored like maybe 30 goals in all comps last year playing for a team like Leipzig, um, you know, you expect him to score a lot more. And then when you get him over and then he's not performing, you you lose a striker, right? A, a star striker on paper. So now, you know, Tuchel or even Lampard, they, they had to change around the formations. Um, because Werner wasn't performing. But the thing is, they were always playing Werner because they always thought, if he doesn't score today, he's going to score next week. He's going to score next week. He's going to score next week. Um, I think Lampard wasn't brave enough to drop in earlier. So I think that is probably the main reason as to why Chelsea is just failing to score is because Werner, number one, is not performing well. Um, And I think I'll also add the two other players that they bought, also star players who were... Um, coming in to really, you know, make Chelsea title contenders again. They are also relatively not performing well. Um, Hakim Ziyech and the uh, Kai Havertz. So I think, honestly, it's just more like a personnel problem more than a formation or a tactical um, issue because I can see, like, Chelsea, when Tuchel came in, Chelsea has been uh, performing well in terms of, you know, getting the results, but they can bring it out on their three, you know, star players that they bought. So I think it's honestly, yeah, that's just the reason why I think they're not scoring a lot is because, you know, these players that they need to step up, uh, Ziyech, Hubbard and Werner, they're just not bringing in the goals as much as Chelsea thought they would. It's kind of similar as Liverpool, right? Mane, Salah and Firmino during, you know, our run where we're losing every game, we're drawing, we're not winning. It's because we're reliant on these three, but these three are not scoring that much. So then... Yeah, you know, if you don't score goals, you don't win games. So I think that is the problem. I think with uh, Tuchel coming in, he came in off of uh, PSG, right? He came in knowing that this is a league where if you're defensively strong, you win the league. And he converted from um, Chelsea's back four to a back five, right? And I thought 
he's trying to basically carbon copy somewhat of what Antonio Conte did. Although Conte is an Italian manager known for being defensively very strong. That's not the reason why they're not scoring enough goals, even though they've won a decent number of games. You buy a 60 million pound, I think, striker, and your whole idea is your board's expecting you to use a striker to win you games and titles, and you're in practice, in training, you are shaping everything around this guy. And when he can't score, it becomes a headache for the manager. And that's sort of shown in Timo Werner's statement a couple from a couple of days ago. Uh, and I'm just paraphrasing and quoting him because I don't have the quote up on the screen right now. Um, he said that if I had scored more goals during um, Lampard's reign, he'd probably still be manager. And that just goes to show you that uh, he's, he's one of the problems that Chelsea are facing. And when you spend such big bucks, you can't sell off the striker or keep on the bench. You're going to try and use him because... Um, you paid so much money for him. Um, and the other signings you mentioned, I think I thought Ziyech had a really good positive start to the uh, PL with assists and goals and um, looking very sharp on the right-hand side of the field. But I was never really convinced with Kai Havertz. I mean, he started a bunch of games, came off the bench, played at a second striker, tried the number 10 position. I think on one of the games he was on the right. He's not fast enough. He's not... Uh, physically sort of hard enough yet for the PL. Um, that happens, I've seen, with a bunch of people coming in from different leagues thinking that, you know, they can just sort of walk in and, and be stars here. I think PL is a different caliber. That's one of the reasons why it's sort of harder for people to adjust. Not that Timo Werner um, has that problem because I think with him it's more of a confidence striker problem. Um, but with Kai Havertz, I think it's a, you know, the league's change is way faster, it's way more physical, and he's just not used to it. See, he's very young he's still in his early 20s and i just don't think you can fit mason mount and kai havertz into the same system and mason mount Agreed. is kind of like chelsea's best player at the moment so you you can't leave him out but i 100 percent think it's a function of the system chelsea never struggled to score goals under frank lampard if their problem was always keeping them out of the back of the net now thomas Tuchel comes in it's all possession based the change of system has really i think stunted their ability to attack centrally get the ball into the striker in particular drew really fits into the system well but drew is never an out and out goal scorer that's going to get you 15 goals a season he does a lot of other things very well and that's why he fits the system because he can link up in central areas and come deep and play all these nice tidy combinations in the final third the three four two one I, it definitely works better for me as a three four one two and i think that's why thomas tuchel was effective in getting the best out of timo Werner. who was it that they beat sheffield united i thought he was very positive in that game but when chelsea keeps 70 percent of the possession teams obviously are just going to sit back and get very comfortable in a low block so then they have no real ability to actually get their attacking midfielders on the ball in positive areas and break through these sort of blocks that have been set up. So I do think it's very much a function of the system. And I think I would be actually kind of surprised if Thomas Tuchel continued with the back three into next season. I think he would potentially be looking at a long-term solution of just getting in another forward and going with Reese James and Ben Chilwell regularly at fullback rather than these sort of Marcus Alonso, Calum Hudson-Odoi type players who Hudson-Odoi and Alonso have done very well at wingback but I don't think Hudson-Odoi's future is at wingback for starters and I don't think Alonso's future is at Chelsea. I, I do think it is a function of the system. Uh, yes you're definitely right Reese. it is because of a function of the system as well 
but just imagine if Timo Werner, the end product, was goals. Like if Timo Werner got the ball, the end product was goals. I think possession-based type of football, and especially you're playing the Prem too, you're not playing in, in Bundesliga. If you have like a possession-dominating team, like Chelsea, Liverpool, etc., teams are just going to sit back, right? And it's it's just so hard to score goals then. So, but I think Timo Werner is the type of guy that he wants to exploit the defense. He wants to run in between the lines. He's a fast runner, right? Um, but I think like the style that other teams play as well in response to Chelsea's style of playing, I think it doesn't help him as much. If Thomas Tuchel can can definitely unlock Timo Werner for next season, that would actually make Chelsea like really strong. I want to say title contenders just because Man City's playing next level football right now, but Chelsea can be a lot better. Um, and I think that's why Giroud has done well. He's not like he's not scoring goals every single game, and he's I wouldn't say he's a world class striker, but he is a good player. He's a good striker. Um, so he still gets into goals because he's also had like what almost like ten seasons in the Prem, so you understand how how it worked. And I guess Chelsea's tactics also suit him better than they suit uh, Timo Werner. Yeah, I think from my perspective, I think Chelsea have the best outside shot of getting into the top four of teams that aren't currently in it. I think their shot is much better than Liverpool's just based on the way they're playing, the way they keep so much possession of the ball that they basically don't have to do any any defending and can just keep queen sheet after queen sheet. That's going to be very, very important for them. Like You look at a lot of the teams that have won the Premier League over the years and it's almost always predicated on an ability to keep queen sheets. Leicester, for example, when they won, it was like, how many 1-0 victories did they actually get? So their future, I think, is definitely bright under Tuchel. I just don't know how much longer he's going to stick with the system, what he will do to adapt in terms of finding different ways to score goals, because it's been very easy to defend against his team. Would you say that Chelsea's defense is pretty much great? Is it set? I think if they were going to spend money this summer, I would 100% get a center back. Like, Thiago Silva's 36, and you can't necessarily rely on him to be a world beater every game at that age and also stay fit. So I would I would get a center back for sure. Aspilicueta is obviously also pretty old and fits very well into that sort of three-at-the-back system, but he's probably, probably done at fullback in terms of being there ahead of Reese James just because of the energy level that Reese James will have over him now that he's well into his 30s. So yeah, I would I would improve the defense if I could, but I think for now they have no issues to worry about because they don't need to do too much defending and the way they set up makes it very, very easy for them to win the ball back. And Kovacic, Conte, Jorginho, whoever it is in the midfield will always win it back very, very easily based on the way they set up and how easily they shift and slide with the play and how genuinely good both players are at doing so. So yeah, their their problem for me is definitely in the attack. Yeah, I agree too. Because uh, the last time Chelsea scored three goals or more in the Premier League was in December 21st against West Ham. You know, two and a half months that they haven't scored three or more, right? Every game has been 1-0, 0-0, 1-0, 2-1 type of games. And I think, you know, if Chelsea really want to be title contenders, then they really need to gain the goals. Because if we look in the previous like years... um. You, I'm right. Uh, like you're right. I agree with you. Clean sheets, right? Like having a good defense, is what separates like number one from number two, right? But I think if we're looking at a team like Liverpool, where 
I think in the 2018-2019 season where uh, they got 97 points and Man City got 98 points. It's because Liverpool drew a lot of games. And I think it's mostly because like they just you know, they just weren't good enough in those games that they drew to just win it to, you know, have a great attack. The following season, yeah, they attacked they're just winning every single game. So I think yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement like for Chelsea, if there's one thing they want to improve on is to like get goals. Score more goals and unfortunately uh, with the low block, it's hard to always fit Giroud. Giroud is that striker that can give you a solid game with what he does, which is not entirely scoring goals. It's more uh, he'll come deep to give you those fancy flicks and help those runners that are making an overlap. I think that's what he does best. And then the odd time he'll score a spectacular goal like he scored against Atletico in the Champions League, right? But he's not a consistent out-and-out goal scorer. He's a striker, but he's not an out-and-out goal scorer. And my other problem with Giroud playing at striker is that his ball holding is not the best, which uh, they need to change system. The three in the three in the PL to win the PL, one with, happened with Conte only because they had Eden Hazard in his prime. And if you have Eden Hazard in your prime, you don't have much to worry about in terms of creating chances. He's like Jack Grealish should be in the next five years, according to me. So I agree with you guys. Need to change the system, fit Werner back in, and Giroud can't be on the uh, on the field as consistently. He was very good at it for France when you look at like the World Cup and the Euros as well. Um, but I do I do agree with you that like some of these best Giroud qualities have kind of been lacking in recent weeks. When he receives the ball, he does often get dispossessed which is not great so i think moving on to a team that has the opposite problem probably they've been scoring tons of goals um they got four today but their defense in the past has been lacking a bit but it was very very positive to see kane son and bale in the same team together and do we think if Mourinho can stick to these three as part of his front four that we might see Tottenham make a challenge for the top four. Can I just say, who out of three, all the three of us was surprised that Mourinho is playing so attackingly in the past couple of weeks? He had Son, Mora, Kane, Bale, and Dombele all on the field together. That is... See, it's, it's over-exaggerated how much of a defensive manager Mourinho is. And it's based on this sort of big match examples where, yes, he did very well against Lionel Messi with Inter Milan in the UEFA Champions League to stop Messi from playing. And he did very well in the Liverpool-Chelsea match where Chelsea won 2-0 and on that Stevie G slip game. There are definitely examples where Mourinho is very much a defensive manager, but he's always been a counter-attacking manager. And it's not necessarily like Mourinho teams are going to play this amazing free-flowing attacking football but they will always play very, very good counter-attacking football. They will attack very well immediately after winning the ball. And I think that's what they did exceptionally well in this game. And I have, I have a few other Tottenham notes about why I think they're so good in attack. One I will just say really quickly is that I think the fact that Ndombele and Hoiberg are in the lineup now instead of a sort of possession-based central midfielder like Harry Winks it kind of allows both fullbacks to get forward rather than just Serge Aurier, which really suits Sergio Reguilon's style. And it's very positive to see both going up at the same time. And it kind of makes Tottenham like 
impossible to stop in their counterattacks if both fullbacks and the front four are kind of linking up in a 6v4 or 6v2 kind of situation, it becomes very hard to stop them. So one thing about that is, yes, I think when it comes to high-stakes games, London derbies, any type of derbies, or even like Champions League knockout games, I think teams will really, really focus more on defending because like conceding a goal is very like detrimental more than, I think, more than scoring a goal because you don't want to concede a away goal, for example. But I think... I think Mourinho definitely has what it takes to be the level at where he was back in Inter Milan, Chelsea, and Real Madrid as well. But in my opinion, I think he will he won't he won't do it for Tottenham just because Tottenham is just not a team that's able to compete right now. Uh, yes, Bale, Son, and Kane are exceptional players, but we also have to take into account like Bale's alone, right? We don't know what the future holds for him. And especially now in the Premier League, Man City are playing next-level football, like I mentioned. So I think if you want to talk about whether Mourinho is capable of getting back on track, winning trophies and stuff, because he's a manager that needs to win trophies, right? I mean, there's no point playing really good football and winning and grinding when you don't win any trophies. So I, th- I say that he, with Tottenham, is not possible. Or it's very, very hard to do. I so. don't think Jose's style of football... Just the same way as I don't think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's style of football at United in the top six. Uh, when OGS plays the top six, he plays very defensively, sits back, doesn't want to concede. And we've seen this this season. He hasn't won any games against the top six. Um, I don't see that helping Jose win the big trophies in um, cup games for sure. It's really hard given that uh, like Russell was saying, City play immaculate football and they will just wipe you away. Um, unless you can defend each and every attack from them because you're not taking the game to them. You're just sitting back and waiting for something to happen. And I don't believe that with today's football being so expansive in how everybody from your Liverpool cities to your Bayern Munichs to your PSGs um, play, I don't I don't think that Jose's style of football is here to win you the CL. Potentially the Premier League, because like we were discussing at the beginning, PL, if you can keep your clean sheets and then nick along those victories all the time, yes, you could you could do something with it and win the win the league potentially. But I think with in cup games it's gonna be really hard and the Champions League is almost not possible with the way uh Jose plays. Um, if we look at trophies wise like he's won a lot of trophies but think about the teams that he has managed and the players that he, he has um, right like I don't want to like dive deep down but you know Real Madrid he had Ronaldo Ramos Ozil Inter Milan he had Snyder Samuel Eto'o etc um, Chelsea you know he had John Terry Frank about all those now okay look like Tottenham right now in terms of like the players that he has right now like I think we're all in agreement like there's no way they're going to compete with Man City. They're not going to, they're just not good enough, right? Neither is Liverpool. They're not good enough to compete with Man City for first place because Man City is clearly an outlier. Pep Guardiola City is playing some like immaculate football, as you mentioned. Okay, I want to retract. I think, like, given Mourinho's, you know, given his like level of managing, I think he is definitely capable of bringing this Tottenham team to higher level football. And it's because he's also good. Like, he's a good man-to-man manager and he's also a good scouter. But I think in anything, especially in sports, the better you are, the like luck just comes to you. If Mourinho can actually, um, I think Reese, you mentioned as well, if you can get good buys as well, 
um, and with just a little bit of luck, they can make it far. Yeah, he needs players. He still needs probably two center backs at this point. I think everything else is pretty settled other than maybe the number 10 position. Um, and he has brought in players that he would want in his team and making this team much better. Like they genuinely looked like title contenders at the start of the season. And I think a lot of that is Hoiberg and Reguilon and these sort of players that came in and just looked like, wow, like this is one of the best players in the Premier League in their position. Um, so th- I think they do have a lot going for them. And I I just think with their the slump that they had in around the middle of the season, Christmas time, it's not going to really help them in terms of their ability to qualify for the top four. But I still think there's a lot of discussion always about, like, Jose Mourinho should be sacked. Like, what is he doing? He's just playing defensive football. Like, he is one of the best managers in the league, and he is the only man that's going to lead Tottenham to better times, I believe, at this point. I don't believe anyone coming in would do a better job. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, um, winning with Porto is... Like, winning the Champions League with Porto is extremely, extremely hard, especially when you have teams like AC Milan, even Barcelona and Real Madrid were still very, were very good teams back in the day. I will say this, though, that was 17 years ago. Um, I don't know whether that's a factor. I mean, that was so long ago. The game has evolved. You know, even different managers out there, like Guardiola's style has evolved, right? He used to be a tiki-taka type of manager, but now he's playing some revolutionary, like, formation. I think the game changes. What, what he did with Porto was, was exceptional. But that happened such a long time ago that the game has changed. And that's also like a criticism that he gets is because he, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, like he kind of refuses to change up his style. He's always a very defensive mindset type of manager and then get on the counter. That's also what he did with Real Madrid. But he was blessed with Ronaldo and Oza and all those players in Real Madrid as well. So it worked out for him. Um, and they won the La Liga. Um, yeah, I, I agree. He is the best manager or one of the best managers out there to um for Tottenham. Um but yeah, I it's extremely, extremely hard to be winning trophies, especially because Mourinho's the type of manager who needs to win trophies, right? It's the same with Carlo Ancelotti, right? Carlo Ancelotti is alongside Mourinho, one of the greatest managers ever, um, in terms of their CVs. Ancelotti has won like what, three, four Champions Leagues? He's you know, manage AC Milan. He's you know, he's developed Kaka and all those players as well. Um, but now he's in Everton. So to be honest, it's really hard. I don't want to use the word impossible, but it's just so hard, especially now that Man City is on fire. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think they're going to be winning the Premier League. But I, I do think you get two center backs and and probably a goalkeeper is the other one I would go for. And you're right up there. And also, just really quickly, I mean, he won the Champions League with Porto. I don't know how you could say he always has the best players on his team like the absolute best squad in the world and so yeah I I do think he is the right man I don't think anyone coming in would do better and I think his style of play absolutely could win the Premier League it's foolish to say that he's like a defensive manager that only counterattacks. like his team keep 50% of the possession in their matches they hardly ever drop below like 40 it's it's not like Mourinho are just a team that sit back and defend all game long it was definitely positive though to see Gareth Bale back in action and hopefully he will make the side for the next few matches as well. I do think that will have to be that for today. Let us know your thoughts on this episode. Do you think that Tottenham can make the top four? Why do you think Chelsea have struggled to score goals? Are Leicester going to be in a bit of an injury crisis and potentially drop out of the top four? And are Liverpool back on track? We'd love to hear your thoughts on all of that and more. You can find me on Twitter 
at MastermindSite and at Desmond Reese. And be sure to check out everything else we have going on at themastermindsite.com. You can see lots of different tactical analyses of the likes of Liverpool, Tottenham, Leicester, Arsenal, all of those teams we talked about today, Chelsea, a lot of Thomas Tuchel. Um, so be sure to check out that. Costi, where can people find you? I have a I have a funny Instagram name and I hate windchill, so please <laughs> um, I get a lot of stick for it, but that's where that's where I can be. Uh, we can reach out to me and uh, let's chat about football. And Russell, if anyone is looking for some of that nephew to uncle advice, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram Russell Toe ninety six. That's R U S S E L L T H O ninety six. Awesome. So before we wrap up, I just wanted to quickly tell you about our ongoing hiring process. We are very excited to announce that we will be adding more writers, podcasters, and creative personnel to our roster. We're going to have a pretty consistent starting 11 coming to you soon. So be on the lookout for some new faces. We also just launched a paid subscription option. So if you are interested in becoming a patron subscriber to the Mastermind site, and a podcast like this, you can follow the link in the description to become a subscriber for $4.99 a month. You're going to get benefits such as a monthly magazine, free access to ebooks, and a whole community of people to chat with. So I think that will be it for today. Costi, Russell, thank you so much for joining me. It was a lot of fun. So thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time.